0: to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today, Steve Nudelberg, is an author, expert sales trainer, biz dev expert, keynote speaker, and serial entrepreneur. And you may be familiar with his book and his podcast, Confessions of a Serial Salesman. I know he's got a new name. For the podcast now. We'll get to that in a second. And his core philosophy is to ignite individuals and teams by enhancing their awareness about small yet powerful changes they can make instantly to make, to instantly sharpen individual performance, making yourself as best as possible. That's what it's all about. And his specialty within organizations centers on creating daily sales processes sales acceleration and development, along with social selling and relationships. I mean, relationships in the name of the game. And Steve and I are going to dig into that. We're going to talk about storytelling, conversation, pipeline development, all these critical, critical roles and pieces of being awesome at sales and marketing. And I'm excited to talk to Steve about his career story, LinkedIn, working with his sons and a whole lot more. So let's dig in. Steve Noodleberg, welcome to the podcast, my man.
0: What a pleasure to be here. Thank you for that great introduction. I I want to pinch myself. Is that really me? Wow, man. Not uh, You know, when I look back over the years and all those hard times, boy, it may, maybe it paid
1: off. You know what, <laughs> man? And, and I think that's why I do it live. Cause you know what? I don't care who you are. You'd love to hear your story, right? I mean, yeah. it's a good thing. We're, we're human there. So let's, you know, before we get into the really, really good stuff, I think it's important to bring everyone up to speed on who the heck this dude, Steve Noodleberg is sitting yeah. on the other side of my screen. So I'd love if you could share you know, a, a nice little summary of kind of your career story. Um, I mean, we're not going to go back to medieval times or the dinosaur. We're not going <laughs> to well, be. I was up born. Fun. <laughs> but let's give everyone kind of a high level overview here, please.
0: Yeah, I've been very fortunate that uh, from as far back as I can remember, I put a lot of value in people. And if you want to be good in sales, you got to be good with people. So I found I grew up in a in a family of entrepreneurs. So I kind of learned that at the dinner table, it was loud. It was energetic. It was a review of the day. Um, you had to perform every single day. So it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved the pace. I gravitated towards it. Um, my grandparents and my, my parents were in the ladies' shoe business. Thank so you. I had fashion. I had sales. I had all of this stuff happening in front of me. And so I've been fortunate I I've, I've gradu- uh, gravitated towards opportunities where I can grow revenue I became an entrepreneur and, and it's really funny cuz growing up I'm going to be 60 next month when Someone I grew can, up the word can,
1: yeah <laughs>
0: the, the word entrepreneur didn't even exist man you know it was like I just moved into a place where I wanted to control my de- destiny um I was always invited into opportunity where people said, Hey, we got a challenge, we got to grow revenue. Can you help us do that? So my whole career has been littered with lots of failures and a couple of big home runs. And I've learned from every failure and I love it. All along the people that I've met, whether I was winning or losing, had equal value to me. And so I'm super blessed that, you know, like you said, I get to work with my sons now. I have unbelievable business relationships, uh, some that we know together, some, you know, and you know, if you, if you look back and you can add value every single day, which is what was our mantra, I do it and I get rewarded for it. And you know, I'm super happy, dude.
1: (laughs) I, I love it. That's awesome. Well, let's take it back to the renegade days. Tell us about the renegade days.
0: Oh my God. So I was fortunate to represent a line of jeans back in the day. Uh, called Edwin Jeans and most young people wouldn't know that but the that was like is, the is,
1: first in the Z Cavaricci are we in the Cavaricci conversation so I knew Jim I Cavaricci yeah.
0: Jim Cavaricci was an actual
1: his, guy his first name was Jim I would never think that Cavaricci's first name would be Jim, Jim? I thought it would be like Antonio or some kind of a time <laughs> Jim it's like Bob Cavaricci yeah, okay well, that's a exactly fun fact right. fun fact <laughs> That is so cool.
0: I had no idea that you'd be bringing up that dialogue, but that's a perfect example of where, you know, I was you know working with a line of jeans. I covered the entire Southeast. I did most of my business with two major retailers. But I had to get in the car and I had to travel, and everybody thought it was really sexy, which is really a misnomer of most businesses. Uh, it's not sexy. It's it's really about doing the reps and, and putting in. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, did, did we have good times? Listen, I, I remember when Tommy Hilfiger was the the sock buyer for Marona. You know, so those were fun times. You know that I I just learned how to you know take advantage of everything in, at my disposal. And the most valuable asset of every step of my life has always been the people I get to meet and I make the most of it, you know? So,
1: and I think, I think that's why you and I are talking right now and we'll certainly dig into the power of relationships. I mean, every single success I have is predicated on relationships and not burning bridges and holding a value to them. But instead of all the good okay. stuff, let's rewind and talk about some early career failures. Cause I think that's really critical. Um, to kind of set everything up here, right, is learning from those early mistakes. Bring us back to a couple of those, like, early mistakes that you had where you course-corrected, you learned from them, and you're really building on those, you know, looking back over the last 20-plus years.
0: So, you know, the – my – as I said, my parents were in uh, the ladies' shoe business. They were ready to retire. I was ready to take over the business and was really – probably uh, bigger in ego and stature than I was ready for, mm. but I took it on. I realized I was not capable of dealing with um, circumstances, which happen in every business. There's always things that happen. The pandemic now is a circumstance. Exactly. I, you know, I've dealt with so many in my career. I wasn't prepared to do that. And so it failed. And you know, what did I take away from that was I was willing to look at everything that I didn't do. For me, the biggest takeaway was that there's always mentorship at any given level that if you're willing to ask, there's somebody who's been there before who will say, Hey, listen, I'll send the elevator back down. Here's what I know and here's how to avoid that. Paying it forward. So I, I think, you know, entrepreneurs or salespeople think that it's all about doing it themselves. Nobody ever. Does it on their own. There's always somebody or a group of somebodies that influence your life and your career. I just got good at asking, like, wow, I'm way over my head here. What what do I do? What would you hmm. have done? And so, you know, I think one, you know, I put together what I think is a master's degree in life, the things I've learned. One of those. Is i'm insatiably curious i really want to listen and learn and you know
1: inquisitivity being being inquisitive is such an underrated powerful skill in a human being oh, right being always asking the why's and the hows and coming from a smart angle and, and a perspective of you know i want to learn more i want to know what this means were you uh, you know going back today when, when your parents had the shoesster what did you what would you learn from them were you open to learning did you like pick things up i mean what were some of those things that you kind of walked away with
0: well, you know, so I, you know, I initially just love the interaction. I love the fashion part of the business. And so I was getting fed in a couple of different ways, but I really was a little closed off to learning because ego gets in the way. You think, wow, I know it all. This is a breeze. I can do it. What some took somebody 30 years to do I'm already doing because I had early success and early success is is just a bad tonic, man. It just it does set you up for failure quickly. It turned out to be a blessing for me, but it you know if you really you know could go back and rewrite the the script, I would have learned more and said you know I like and I, this is how I taught my son Mark this intern mentality. Just show up as if you know nothing, That's take it funny. all in, and then digest it and do it for yourself. Um, and I'm that way to this day. I speak to people, and I said, just basically educate me on why you think this is so great, and where what you where are you positioning yourself? How did you get there? What's your passion? You know, Simon Sinek made the why famous, but purpose has been you know, purpose and passion are two of the biggest drivers for success. Right. You're doing something you hate; it's gonna be hard to be really good at.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I want to kind of hit on something. I'm going to go off script for a minute here, right? And I want to talk about, you know, I, I see it a lot with young folks where they, especially with social media, where they're getting like Insta famous, LinkedIn famous so quickly, and their ego is getting ahead of them, right? And they got some good wins. They're picking up, they're building up this social proof, but their ego is getting way ahead of them and they're about to get shot down pretty quickly. I, do you think these are lessons that they need to learn on the job right now, or just something that they could do to course correct and be a little bit... More humble and open to, to learning?
0: So, I think uh, this pandemic is going to do lots of stuff, but I think there's going to be lots of learnings um, that come from it. And one of those is for younger people who are like, Holy shit, what's happening? <laughs> like, the world is crumbling, 20 million people without a job. Yeah. You know, what, so I learned this early on that whatever is, is just, it is for a short time. It's not forever. So you have to constantly be innovating, constantly be learning, constantly keep your eyes on the road ahead of you. And I think to your point, some people get to a place where, you know, and I think this was really true of me early in my career. Somebody gave me a book called do what you love and the money will follow. I was making more money at some at one point in my career than I ever thought I could make. It, it was unbelievable. I could buy anything, drive anything. but I was miserable. I you really didn't like it and it wasn't working necessarily with people I wanted to work with or doing you know anything that had any further value than just cash and checks. And you know what it, it led to me making a career change at 34 where everybody around me looked at me like they said, Dude, you're on top of the world. What are you What are you doing? And I go. You think I'm on top of the world, but I got to get up every morning and sort of trudge through this. Thing.
1: It's optics, right? Like what people yeah. see on the outside, they have no clue what's happening on the inside. And it's so It's so interesting too. We were talking, you know, before we went on air. You know, I, my pivot was at the age of 35, and it's such an interesting age looking back at it. Right? Like you're yeah. you're you're young enough where you could you can make changes and and still have plenty of you know road ahead of you but you also could look back in that rearview mirror and see what happened before and learn from that Right, I mean, I am grateful for my my pivot at thirty at thirty five. So let's let's fast forward a little bit too. I love that you're uh, an optimist. I love that you you also have a positive, opportunist mindset, which is I think certainly important and always finding opportunities. And you talk a lot about you know your twenty seven core leadership rules of engagement, right? In your in your book, and we're not going to go through all twenty seven right now, but like I want I want to highlight a couple of like those really key rules and let's unpack them. Uh, I'll let you you tell me which ones are like important now, the ones that we really should be focusing on.
0: Great. so, um the rule uh, that is most talked about, and there's a lot of them, but um most people are trained when they greet people with, "Hey, how you doing? How are you? You know, and that's basically an invitation for someone to take the monkey off of their back and put it on yours., oh, my car, my house, my boss, my you know, whatever complaining, whatever soundtrack that is going on in their mind. And I've learned right. this. In all of the training that I've done, most people are just programmed negative. It's the first thing that comes to their mind.
1: Right. Just to bitch other people.
0: Right. We shifted that behavior early in my sales career. And I say we because I've always worked with groups and whatever. And I said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to stand out. When we greet somebody, we're going to say, hey, tell me something good. And most people go to that Shaka Khan song, which is kind of cool. That'll be a gift for people the whole day. They'll be humming them. But you'll be... Surprised that people stop in their tracks and go, hmm, they can't even think of something good. When they think of something good, boom, whatever they tell you at that moment is what's important to them and what makes them feel good. And the more you make somebody feel good, the more they want you around. So it became very self fulfilling that it was like, wow, you know, like if you call my voicemail, which I give out my cell number to everybody. I don't care. They call the voicemail says, Hey, this is Steve. Tell me something good. Well, it's hilarious because I don't always get good news, but the person <laughs> on the other end is kind of fumfering around going, yeah, Well, I, think- I got good news, I got bad news, <laughs> you know.
1: So. And if we're thinking about it from a sales perspective too, now you're changing their mindset to be in a positive mindset, to be more open and perceptive, which which is which is what we're leading to. Right. And I think the problem with so many people, I mean, I, this is a tough one too. I think that there's so many amazing old school sales strategies and tactics that still apply today. And you got to put like the modern empathetic social spin on it too. But like, you know, how have you kind of seen this transition? I mean, you've been in sales then you've been in sales now, like what's working, what's not working, how are you teaching this?
0: So I think one of the challenges that people have is they're looking for a silver bullet. There's no silver bullet. There's no one thing, hey, pay me this chunk of money and I'm going to make you a great salesperson. That doesn't exist. It's figuring out a process, investing the time and energy to physically do the process physically and mentally, and then you figure out along the way what works and what doesn't. So I think sales today is the perfect fusion of what I learned at retail about Mm. how to deal with people and just using new school, new new age tools. Right. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I learned in retail was how to think on my feet and have a real time conversation with somebody. Well, if you are not trained in building and maintaining relationships, guess what? Social media is going to suck for you because then it's just superficial. It's just you know, it's up in the air. You know, I have been able to make meaningful relationships with people all over the globe because that's what i want to do i don't want to sell them i want to have genuine relationships that spin back that say hey wait a minute you're really good at this how can you help my company you know
1: yeah i mean the disconnect now on social media is everyone's going for these quick wins they're going for these quick you know short-term transactional and i think that the 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 idea of building a relationship, long-lasting conversations. Don't going, don't go in for the sell right away. Learn what someone's pain points are. Be a solutions provider, right? Come up with solutions instead of going for the hard sell. I think that's that's being lost uh, uh, around a lot of the young people these days. Are You seeing that? Or,
0: or, or, well, first of all, it's just lost across everybody. Um, I think this pandemic is pushing people into virtual relationship building with it, hmm. which is. A skill set, you know, and some people yeah, have some it, people some suck people at it. Don't some people suck at it, and they're going to have to get really good. But fundamentally, I legitimately don't care if I interact with you and you buy from me because my mind is and one of the books one of the rules in my book, which I wasn't going to talk about, but go for it. it's called the it's called the poor Paul Revere method. You know, Paul Revere didn't go down the road saying. Hey, I'm going to tell you the British are coming, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to. I just tell everybody. Hey, listen, let's connect. Let's see how we. You know. Oh, you like the Mets. I like the Mets. Oh, you like a bagel. I like a bagel. Oh, you know. We become friends. Two things can happen. You can buy for me, or you can turn me on to somebody who can. Exactly. Wow, seems pretty simple to me. Sound rocket. So science. The mo- yeah, you know, I don't get it. Have fun along the way. Some of the best relationships I have have never bought for me. Never will. Doesn't matter. It's like,
1: that's not the that's point not of how it. I'm
0: keeping score, right? So right. It's
1: like- and people need to understand the, the conduit concept, right? And that's something that I talk about too. And I think we're on the same page with that, right? Like I may be connected with you and you and I may never do an ounce of business, Steve, uh-huh. at all, but you're going to open me up and say, hey, listen, I just had a great show with Adam. He seems like a good dude. He's a recruiter. I'm going to introduce him to somebody else who might need his business right the conduit aspect of relationships is being lost well people are looking so short term only at that first connection they're not looking at the second the third digging into people's networks it's unbelievable
0: so you know the paradigm shift is so significant most of the time when people introduce you themselves they tell you what they do hi i'm an accountant <laughs> okay that puts you in the in the in the field with millions of other people that are accountants What makes you different? So what social media allows you to do is to promote who you are, not what you do. And people buy from people they know, like, and trust pretty simple, basic old school. Well, now you have so many more ways to create awareness for yourself. You created this podcast. It just, you're putting out good stuff that has no sell associated with it other than hey, i'm going to put out some good stuff so that you know who i am it's the brand new right, the time and patience it takes to do that without the immediate reward is really where the payoff is is that you said okay cool however long this takes even if i never get a sale from it it's good stuff I'm meeting good people but putting good stuff out there that's where you know some people connect with me and the next message is By the way, I have the best thing since sliced bread, and you're perfect for it. You should buy it. I hate that. (laughs) I should? I'm like, what?
1: what? (laughs) Yeah it's interesting too i mean I talk about the podcast a lot too and i have a lot of people you know the podcast is picking up speed as i mentioned we're, we're approaching 100 episodes you know i'm the guests the audience everything's building up and people are telling me look what, what what's your goal with the podcast and i go listen you know what i'm not pushing this thing to be a joe rogan you know some, you know advertisers that's not what i'm doing for me there's two things that come out of this podcast one i get to talk to great folks like yourself and it's a learning opportunity for me and building relationships right number two it's a biz dev perspective from a branding angle right everyone out there sees that I'm you know showcasing this I have my expertise I have a platform for my thought leadership and also I get to schedule and book business opportunities business leads that otherwise would not respond to a cold email a phone call but they're more inclined to come on my show for an hour and talk to me like we are and now we have a relationship and that's what it's all about I don't even keep it a secret because I want everyone to try this It's hard to execute uh, you know, easy to say hard to execute correct
0: but the barrier to entry is fairly low anybody could do anybody it podcast. when I first started investing. So I had an agency for 25 years, very successful. We were in sports. We have lots of great relationships. We've sort of pivoted or, you know, how whatever the new sexy word is, we moved into so different works? different things that we did, but you know, but fundamentally we always had a value proposition. Hmm. Well, when I invested in social media five or six years ago, and, and the, the current thinking at the time was, you should just share what you know. I was like, what are you, out of your mind? It took me 40 years to develop all this stuff. I'm not just going to give it away. And you know what? The more I give it away, which I do every day, I am constantly giving yep. everything I know. If anybody asks, I give it to them, the more they buy. It's like, wow, you want to talk about a shift, give to get, which is the other rule in my book, When I would be in sales, and I don't know how I came up with this. It just was organic to me. I'd sit across from somebody like you. You'd tell me a few sentences about your business, and I would go, hey, you know what? You should meet my friend Steve. He's got something you guys should really meet. So I would give them an introduction up front. They would look at me like I had horns. They would go, like, what are you doing? You're you're introducing me to somebody, and we're not currently doing business? I say, listen, I'm going to put a lot of good out there. And it'll come back to me somehow, some way without keeping score. And God, it's, it's not been a game. what a ride. What a
1: ride. But I mean, I mean, that's crazy too. I mean, I, I see it all over now. Everyone's keeping score. They're concerned with their likes and their following, their comments, and everything. That doesn't mean shit. You know, you know what means something? Your relationship means something and your checkbook means something. Those are the two things there, right? You could drive all these conversations, you could figure it out, blah, blah, blah. I got eyeballs and this and there. But if you're not converting on them and you're not converting relationships and you're not converting sales, what's, what's the matter?
0: So you you bring up an awesome point, lots of awesome points and congratulations. Congratulations. I love what you're doing. You've done your homework and stuff like that. One of the biggest challenges that I faced early on when I was starting to coach people in sales management was they were like, how do you keep track of it? How do you know that somebody's actually doing the work? Because, you know, I could see that they did 50 cold calls. I could see they knocked on 50 doors. that, that old trip there. come back. There was some metric that was accepted KPIs that worked. It took me a long time to create my own KPI to say, all right, I got to figure it out for me first before I can train somebody on it. And the KPI is how many connections... Are you turning into conversations? And c to c is trackable. And you know what? By doing that, all of a sudden, the funnel flipped upside down and business is inbound. Yep. I mean, I'm in sales for 40 years. Nobody ever knocked on my door and said, Steve, here's a bucket of money. Can you help us spend it? I mean, that was ridiculous. That happens all ridiculous. the time now. Happens yeah. all the time. Hey, I got a problem. I've chosen you as the guy that can help me fix it. So,
1: and why do you, you know, think? Why do you think that's happening? It's because you're investing in social, and you're putting yourself out there, and you're giving, giving, giving. It's all about adding value, and it's not rocket science, and it's being real. And and dude, you have so much expertise and. And 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 just life experience to share that's so valuable for everybody out there. Let's make a little shift to talk about LinkedIn, right? You guys do you know right. sales training on LinkedIn, and we're not talking about the sales training where it's formulaic and you know <laughs> you're trying to get somebody into a you know uh, 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 these like engagement pods and all this other BS techniques that mean jack shit there, but we're talking about real. Sales on LinkedIn because let's be honest. I mean, that's what the platform was built on. It's about it was about jobs and opportunities and connecting. So take us, you know, a little bit behind the scenes, and how is your program different than all the other ones that are out there?
0: So I think it fundamentally speaks to who I am in the marketplace. So I'll back up for one second. Sure. I noticed early on that all of a sudden everybody's a coach. They're a life coach, there's a financial coach.
1: Don't get me a, started.
0: I mean, like. <laughs> Like, wait a minute, would you get in the car with somebody who's never driven? I don't think so. So no qualification. I'm hanging out my shingle. I'm a coach.
1: I'm saving my, (laughs) I'm going to pause on my rant. Everyone knows where I stand on this. So I'm going to sit back and listen to Steve on this one. So
0: I found it fascinating. So I changed my tagline to sales doer. Every single thing that I teach in LinkedIn, I do myself. I figured it out for myself I didn't need LinkedIn. I didn't need, you know, anybody to teach me the mechanics. I want to do it the finesse way. This allowed me to build relationships at scale and maintain them. And so I teach people the keys to success in using this unbelievable platform that if you do it right, and the best example, which I love talking about, is my son. My son was, you know, who did your show, 10 years in college football coaching, not selling. Yeah. Right? He was a football coach. Yeah. You know, he says to me, dad, I'm done. I want out. He goes, "Uh, please, I want to make a change. I want to get into sales. I go, listen, it's not that easy. P.S. I was able to introduce him to some people. He was able to talk his way into a really cool position with ESPN Palm Beach and He looked at me and he goes, dad, they trained me on the product, which is what most training is, features and benefits. There was no training on, how the hell do I do this? He was a process guy in football. Every practice, every football player, every basketball player has a rhythm, has a process of what they do. I taught him the process of how to use LinkedIn to build his audience. And all of a sudden, his audience started working for him. He was nominated for Rookie of the Year. He's now the president of our company, Doing great. driving it because. And you've seen him. You said he's the genuine deal. Business is inbound to him because Authenticity he Authenticity
1: shines. It. You can't it's make this shit you up. Can't fake it. Can't fake it. You can't fake it. So let's talk about working. You know, working with your son, right? Like, I mean, is this what it was all about? You know, when your parents had the shoe store. You know, when you were growing up, did you ever like? even have an inkling like I, it's crazy. I think about now I'm looking at my son who's two years old. I'm like, one day is, am I going to be working with like, like give us a little bit of that parent mentality thoughts as well. And take us to that relationship.
0: I love to, you know, so part of um, this dream was, and I think parents, you know, need to take a look at this. It was his life, not my life. I, I think a parent's job is to build your you build the character in your kids so that they can go out and do whatever they want to do, not what you want to do. So, you know, when he went down this coaching road, um, it for me it was like very exciting. And over the years he's coached with some great coaches. He's been in buildings with a hundred thousand people where I've been there and been on the field. It was fun and it was sexy, but it did not match my dream of working with him because I found him to have all of the skill sets. To be really, really good at selling himself and then teaching people. That's what college football coaching is, yep. is teaching people. Um, he had to come to that on his own. So when he did, and, and now that we are working together, you know, I pinch myself every day because it's bizarre, but we were very pragmatic about the pitfalls. I'm still his dad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nobody, you know, the common theory is, oh, your dad's picking you up and saving your ass. Well, that was clearly not the case here. And then I said to him, I said, listen, I don't want you to work for me. My career is in a different place. If you wanna jump into the driver's seat on the ball, you gotta show me how you're gonna do that. I built a reputation for 27 years in this business. Show me what that looks like, put it in writing. And so while I was doing my due diligence, He did his due diligence. I got calls after the, well, he went to his, you know, people that I know and people I worked with and said, Hey, listen, what's it going to be like for me to work with my dad, man? I am hyper-driven, hyper-focused, and I don't make excuses. Well, if he was looking for a place to coast, this would not have been that. So we were very uh, eyeballs open about Mm. what this could look like. And then, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We made plans to do it. April 1st was going to be his kickoff date, which we thought we'd make fun of April Fool's. Oh my God, who would think it was a joke and who wouldn't? And then he looked at me a week before and he said, Dad, with this COVID stuff, he goes... My timing is so bad. And I actually told ah, him I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I think the timing is perfect because everybody's at the starting line now.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and and he's shining now. But take us back to that first real fight that you guys had as as working together.
0: So we have yet to have a fight working together.
1: Hmm. Because maybe it's something still personal new. that kind of flowed over. New,
0: but but we've had we we've had some real um deep deep um they would be not classified as arguments they would be you know defining moments where i said hey listen dude that's just not how we play yeah you know yeah. and and up until now in his life at 33 there was a time when i had to help him maneuver through bad decisions and yeah. but that's i felt I felt that was my responsibility and I was willing to have him hate me at the time for it. And, and it you know, brings me back to when I joined my dad's business, and this is a really cool story. Yeah, we, you know, we went to the, you know, the, the show where all of the shoe manufacturers were showing, we went, we were buying shoes all day and I was really having fun. Well, I connected with a couple of the guys in the space and they go, come on, man, we're going out tonight. Come with us. You know the manufacturers usually take uh, you know the retailers out. Well, we didn't go out; we went out. You know? Right.
1: Back out. back when there was back when there was no cell phone cameras. Out. <laughs> Things were well, much more fun without cameras around everywhere.
0: Correct. You know. Well, that following <laughs> morning, I was destroyed. Knock on my door. My dad's knocking on the door, and I said, "I'm. I have a bad stomach. I'm not going to make it." Put my head under the pillow again. Next thing you know, manager's opening, opening the door. My dad grabs me, throws me in the shower and said, oh God. <laughs> you are going to this event whether you like it or not because you will learn that you could do whatever you want, but you have to show up. And I mean, literally that day, I'll never forget it because I was green and all the people I was out with were like kind of laughing at me. They go, dude, you're going to be okay? Step up, But rookie. It, taught, it taught me a lesson, <laughs> step up, rookie. I had to do that with my son. This is the way we play. You know, we built a reputation for who we are, how we show up. And the people that know me know that I'm a man of my word. I have integrity. We don't, we, you know, I, I have this thing called the say do ratio. And if it's, if it's anything other than one-to-one. So lots of people say shit all day long. Of course, It's easy to say. And then they think other people will forget. They don't. So if you're willing to look at your say do ratio, if it's anything other than one to one, I said this, I did this, I said this, I did this. If it's anything other than that, you're losing ground on your own integrity. You're cheating yourself. And so that's how we are.
1: I I, 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 I 100% agreed with that. And I hold myself at such a high standard, too, to be careful what comes out of my mouth to make sure that I could deliver on it. Right. And I always say, under promise, over deliver. And it's really mindful about what you say to people and making sure that you could back it up with action in your personal life and your, and, you know, in your professional life. A couple of quick things here from your son, Mark, who's chiming in, you know, just talking about how you set the bar higher than anyone he could or whoever worked with. Uh, He also says, you know, you guys have had some tough conversations throughout your entire life. So it's not anything new. You guys are in a place where you could have that and open communication, which makes it a conversation and not a fight. And I think, you know, that's, that's a skill that applies to any piece of business. Right. And I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, leadership and, you know, managing through a crisis. And it's not just about survival, but it's about, you know, setting the tone um, and really just being, you know, having that you're looking ahead, you know, we're going to get through this, you know, things are going to be different, but like, let's just get your approach on leadership here.
0: So I tend to look at leadership through um, a personal lens first. I think people need to look at themselves as the CEO of their own life, which will dictate their own decisions Mm -hmm. before they take care of everybody else. And when we used to fly, the first thing they told you is that if the mask comes down, put yours on first before you go taking care of everybody else. That was sort of a metaphor for me to understand. You got to take care of yourself. If you're, you know, if you get hurt, if you, you know, if you're not out in front of it yourself, it's going to be hard to really teach other people, you know, so, so I've always set the bar high for myself. I always looked at my decisions. Not all of them were good. I mean, I have, you know, I think the people who work for me uh, in the cell phone business, which was one of my bigger plays early in my life they would tell you, man, Steve, you were the biggest prick I ever knew because it was all about me, not about them. Mm. Leadership really now is all about them. How can I make them better? And you sort of got to come to a place in your life where you're okay with them getting better, which for me, I was always threatened by that. Well, we live in an abundant world. There's enough success for everybody, if you're willing to scratch and claw to get your own. So, So when I talk about leadership, Leadership is helping people define action at a time of crisis. So like my phone lit up when this whole thing you know, happened and sales leaders and CEOs were calling me, they go, what do we do? And I gave them my opinion. Never, ever, ever been a better time to prospect. And I put a video out like that and they were like, really, how insensitive can you be? And I go, I didn't say sell, I said prospect, research, ask people how you can help, you know, build your garden. Because when we come out of this, which we're starting to peel out of it, very much like 9-11, listen, I was in sports hospitality back then. We did more in the Super Bowl than we did all year. Well, there was nobody talking about the Super Bowl after 9-11, it was over, you know? So what you learn, that these things are cycles, you get better at planning. This one, nobody ever saw coming, but here was the leadership advice. Again, I said, focus on the one thing you do really, really well, and do that. Forget about the economics, just do that. And people went, holy shit, dude, that's brilliant. That's what I did. I know how to take people into a virtual environment, been preaching it for years, Nobody listened to me because they were stuck in their old ways. All of a sudden, here's a crisis, shakes people up, puts them in a new way. I think the sales world will never be the same because sales management didn't trust people to work remotely.
1: Got no choice now. And it's working. you, you got to trust your people. You've got to trust your people. Yeah, and I love it, man. And a couple things, you know, just to kind of, you know, touch on there, and and we'll talk about managing the clock. That's something I'm doing now, managing the clock. But you you hit on something with the airplane analogy that, you know, Dave Meltzer said to me, somebody that I hold in a pretty high regard. He said to me in early March, right when this thing was coming on, he used that same analogy, and it it really resonated with me. And that's something that I've been repeating daily. Right. Like take care of myself, be my best self so I can be best for everybody. I mean that I mean that's critical too. And the other word which keeps coming up in my head that I repeat daily is be invaluable. Be invaluable. You know, and you're in sales right now, if you can't make those sales, whether it be your industry or some other logistical reason you can't be, what other value can you give to your clients that's not trying to sell them shit, right? How else could you consult on their business? Find their white spaces. They have horse blinders on. How do you look outside of that? How do you consult and add more value so when we do come out of this, you're going to be the first person that they're going to look to?
0: So it's funny. We we do this daily huddle in the morning, which is really our conversation about how to kickstart the day this thing happened we allowed people to see us doing it we have the tools to do that but one of the things i do is i i use music to move emotionally you know changes your state of mind you know certainly tell me something good has that Khan, you know background yeah. but i use the beatles song help we're in the help economy now mm-hmm. you know help I need somebody, not just anybody, help. And you know the the way I. know can everything.
1: Help them, They're so ahead of their time. Well,
0: unbelievable. They were so hip. I mean, it's we just watched another uh, a special, a documentary on Netflix about them that was so real and so genuine. They had no idea what hit them, but their words are so powerful. And legitimately, if you reach out to somebody and go, "How can I help? Who can I introduce you to?" You know, the, to your point, they don't forget. But it has to be genuine. You can't go, hey, how can I help? I know, by the way, we have a special on this. What? <laughs> you know, that's incongruent with what no, you
1: started. No, it's tone deaf. It, it's tone deaf. So, Steve, let's, let, let's bring it home here, man. Let's bring it home. And I have a series of questions that I would love to ask every guest. For, sure. as, as I mentioned before, this is my time to learn, right? This is sure. my selfish, I'm going to learn from awesome people like Steve Nudelberg. Um, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day?
0: Uh, single greatest, um, advice, um, wouldn't it be a shame to be climbing the corporate ladder just to realize it's leaning against the wrong building? That's a good one. You know, it's the whole mentality of, there is a book that says, do what you love and the money will follow. I I am having the greatest time of my life sharing my gift. And you know What? There's more riches in that that are not just money riches. And I think we were programmed, go get the money, go get the car, go get the house, go get the shit that you can show everybody else how great you're doing, but you're miserable. Hmm. If you do what you love, there's so much energy and so much passion in that, that that's where you're supposed to be.
1: Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love it. So Steve Noodleberg, now it's time for you to tell me something good here. Um, tell me an amazing silver lining, a professional silver lining, and a personal silver lining that you've experienced over the last two months. Tell me something good, man.
0: Over the last two months. Yes. So um, silver linings
1: have- during COVID.
0: During COVID. So um, you'll love this, being a New Yorker. Um, I got... Um, somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn. They wanted to connect. They sent no note, no nothing up front. I don't just accept invites. So I said, Hey, thanks. Like, what well, what are you thinking? What do you want to do? And um, he said, I saw some of the stuff you're putting out on LinkedIn. It's spectacular. I need somebody to kick me in the ass. And I want you to do that. And I was like, okay, why don't we set up a virtual coffee? Right. We did. I do it through Zoom, been doing it through Zoom long before this pandemic. And wouldn't you know, he's based in Denver. When we try and do it, his internet went out. He couldn't do oh, it. We had, to, we had to use the phone. Imagine Oh, this. the old
1: phone call. Oh my just God, talking. we had to use the phone.
0: Uh, 90 minutes on the phone, just connecting, having a great time. And wouldn't you know that um, Blue Suede Pumas came up in the in the conversation. So I don't know if you're old enough to remember blue suede Pumas, but uh, Wal Frazier who played for the Knicks, that was yeah. his signature sneaker. When I played basketball as a young kid, it made me better that and Pete Maravich socks. The moral of the story is we get on talking about all, all of the commonalities. I hadn't thought about blue suede Pumas in forever. He says, listen, this has been fantastic. What what does it take to work with you? So he hires me as a CEO coach. We get off the phone. I go on Amazon. I buy a pair of blue suede Pumas. I I sent him a note. I said, by the way, what shoe size do you wear? And he was like, question mark. He goes, 10 and a half. I sent him blue suede Pumas. I made a friend for life. Forget about whether I coach him for a month, a week, you know, it it all came it all came in and and I'm so grateful for making a friend that, you know, that's where the riches are. So, uh, it's a real story. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see, uh, he's the CEO of an architect, big architectural firm in, in Denver. And, uh, you are, it's never too old to, uh, you can teach new tricks to an old dog.
1: (laughs) I love it, man. And being receptive to coaching. I mean, that's another point that's kind of coming through here. I mean, uh, everyone talks about Tiger Tiger Woods has a coach, Serena Williams, all these top athletes and performers, they all have coaches. Who do you think is coaching them? Right. But again, you know, you want to make sure that you're checking references on that. So Steve, last but not least, right. you've been through it the ups and downs of life man you've seen the top of the mountain you've seen the bottom uh, of that hole you've kind of been in every possible situation right so when you've been down when you've been down at your lowest and you've had to look up right and you needed something to pull you through and on the other side of that when you're sitting at the top you're working with your son business is flying life is good you feel like you haven't worked a single day in your life what do you look to for gratitude steve noodleberg what is your north star
0: So the reason why I wrote the book um, Confessions of a Serial Salesman is people have asked me that question my whole life. They said, dude, you've reinvented yourself more than anybody I've ever seen. You seem to be a thought leader. You're on the front end of all of these movements. How do you do that? You do it with process. You figure out what works and you repeat it every day. It's boring. It's mundane. It's not sexy. But my rule, my 27 rules. When it's not working, I go back to the rules and go, what am I not doing? What did I, what, you know, blah, 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 you know. You know, and it, inevitably, it's something I'm eating or not eating, something I'm not doing. I wake up early. You know, it's the first rule in the book. Early is different for everybody. But all of these rules are part of my process, that the further I get away from it, and if you ask any great athlete, if you ask Tom Brady at 41, how is he still able to play? Because he has a process. He takes care of his mind, takes care of his body, and the results are there. So he doesn't watch the scoreboard. He plays every down.
1: Yeah, I love him, man. Steve, thank you for joining us today and making time. I mean, this was absolutely incredible, and, and I you're appreciate right, you, Steve. man.
0: You're You're awesome. I mean, listen, part of the gift – that social media has done is allowed this. This was a meaningful conversation. I got to learn more about you. I have no doubt that we're going to be friends and refer people. And, you know, it you works. welcome quali- quality people into your life every day. And you watch what the results
1: do. Plan. I go by plan your work and work a plan every morning. Plan your work Love. and work your plan. I repeat it. Steve, thank you. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Drop the podcast, drop the book. Tell us everything. Tell us right. something so, good about all that good stuff.
0: I was given a gift with a last name, Noodleberg. There are not going to be many of them. Uh, Mark has jumped in the space, so now there's two that you can probably find at the top of the social media funnel, but it's at Noodleberg across every social media platform. I um, actually answer all of my own social media. I answer all of my own emails. Um, My phone number is posted in my contact information. So if you text me or call me, you're going to get me and... Um, you know what? I give and in return I get. So um, we do a morning daily huddle. There's no restrictions. Catch us oh, on okay. uh, LinkedIn or on Facebook. We have a Facebook group where I post in, you know, more follow-up information. And then uh, in the afternoons, I do a show called Tell Me Something Good, which you promised you would do.
1: Yeah, and, I'm we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. And it's a
0: 15, 20-minute interview that's all about you. Tell me something good that's going on there's too many other people talking negative shit just tell me good tell me something
1: I, good i love it man steve noodleberg thank you for coming on with us today i appreciate you my man yes sir and everybody who's been joining us live everyone who's gonna be joining us on the replay and checking us out on the podcast thank you for hanging out with us you know where to follow us all the social media channels more episodes on www i don't know if i said enough w is the podcast.com. remember take your online connections offline real meaningful relationships steve and i could preach this all day long i appreciate you steve i appreciate everyone listening take care wash your hands be good to each other and catch us next week for another great episode of the pause wisdom is forever
0: but for us it's time to go thank you for joining us luckily we'll be back with our next episode soon jam-packed with more incredible humans Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The PauseCast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.